Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Ash Wednesday sermon was given by Senior Pastor, Rev. Dr. Ray Hilton. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, visit firstpresevanston.org. Our scripture reading this evening is from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 6, verses 1 through 6 and 16 through 21, which you will find printed in your program or on screen. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. O God, tell us what we need to hear and show us what we ought to do to obey Jesus Christ. Amen. Crowds followed Jesus. He went up a mountain and sat down. His disciples came to him. Then Jesus taught them. Matthew 6, verse 1. Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Verse 16. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What an amazing song. It has the whole story there the whole story of why we live, what animates our lives. We trust in him alone. My soul is satisfied in him alone. 
The text that we heard read, particularly the New Testament text, really is a, it's a meddling text. I want you to know that. When I was playing high school basketball many years ago, I felt it was my duty to try to impress my coach so I can get in the game. Problem was, every time I tried to play the game in such a way that he would see me and say, yep, he's working hard, let's give him more playing time. For whatever reason, it always backfired. I was so obsessed with wanting to do well, wanting to impress him, that often I couldn't relax. And would you believe it? A year ago, a year and a half ago, I met with a ninth grader here at our church who was having the same problem. He wasn't getting any playing time. And every time he got a chance to get in the game, he played worse and worse, and pretty soon he was playing less and less, and he could not get over his nerves because he so wanted to impress the coach. You know what I told him? I told him exactly what I did when I was in high school. I said, instead of focusing on your coach, Focus on why you play the game. Do you love the game of basketball? He said, oh, I love the game. And I told him, I love the game too. And I stopped worrying about the coach, and I played for the sheer love of the game. If I didn't score a point, so what? When I got in there, I played defense as best as I could. I ran the play as best as I could, and I started to have fun. I shifted my focus. I shifted my focus away from the coach told him to do the same thing, and then we played a little pickup game, and he just whooped me upside and down the other side. Ninth grader. Has something to do with my age. But then, soon after I saw him again, I said, how's it going? He said, you know what? I'm actually getting more playing time. I said, what are you doing? He said, well, I, when I get in the game, I just focus on what's before me. There's a lesson here for us this, this evening. And there's a lesson here for us in the reading that we heard from Betsy and even the reading from Richard. Often as we live our lives, we know that there are two sets of eyes upon us. One is people, parents, the church, the community. And we want to make sure that we live in life, our lives in such a way that people will say, wow, you are a wonderful model of what Christian living is. And you put all your energies, maybe how you dress or how you speak. It's always funny when we're in church, we seem to talk differently than when we're at the supermarket. Why is that? Because it has to do with the two sets of eyes that are on us and the expectations. And sometimes we put greater weight on the expectation that we want people to think well of us, that there goes a good Christian. We read the sad story last week about a man who grew up in the church and everybody thought this man was the, the epitome of righteous Christian living until he got arrested for a very, very bad crime. People couldn't understand it. They said, this, this, this guy was such an amazing guy. He showed up for church, he did all the right things, he prayed, he this, he that. But now we're recognizing that he was doing it because of the wrong set of eyes. And in our text, we, we see that there are two sets of eyes upon us. 
Jesus identified three very powerful religious practices that I think we ought to do, and we know we should do them. But what makes it difficult for us, makes it difficult for me, is that we do it with mixed motives. It's good. It's good to give, to give to support the needy. And we're going to have an opportunity here over the coming Sundays to give because there's a huge earthquake that's devastated the lives of thousands and thousands of people in two countries, in Turkey and in Syria. And if you're able even to give a dollar, that's a good thing to do. Give. We're told that, and we heard it in the reading, that it's important to pray. But for some of us, we pray when we're in public, but when it's only God's eyes on us at home, it's difficult to pray. And so the prayers we make in public don't carry as much weight because we work harder at our public prayers than we do our private prayers when in fact it should be with the reverse. And in a similar way, fasting is good for us to humble ourselves and to say like Jesus, we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And even if we put aside one meal and take that time to just say, Lord, I want, I want your eyes, I want your eyes to be on me. It's for you. You never tell anyone that you're skipping a meal because you just want to know God in a deeper way. The problem for you and for me is that so often when we do these common religious practices, we do them with mixed motives. Psychologists, sociologists, educators, They've all been wrestling and debating and writing and researching for the longest while. What is it that motivates us to do what we do? Is it nature or is it nurture? Is it because there is something genetically within us that motivates us to do the right thing? Or is it because we're in an environment where through peer pressure and sort of group think, we do what the group wants us to do? Which is it? Is it intrinsic or is it extrinsic? And you know what? I think it's both. I think because we're made in the image of God, we have the capacity to do good. We have the capacity to be kind. We have the capacity to respond to God in wonderful ways. Because as much as we might say, you know, I have a problem. When you come to a service like this on Ash Wednesday, part of the admission that we want to make is that, Lord, I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me. We, we said it in that opening song. Holy, holy God, holy and mighty, have mercy, have mercy upon me. But that goodness of God in us has not been 100% effaced, and that's why we do good. But the other side of our fallenness, though, is that often when we do what we do, the question is, what is it that's driving us? And Jesus talked about it here. Is it because of the eyes of God upon us, or is it the eyes of people upon us? And if we do it because people are watching us, we don't want people to think bad of us. We've got to sort of make sure everything is buttoned down and, you know, we're being good Presbyterians. And God says, you're going to lose your reward. And as we go through Lent, we are going to have all kinds of services, right? We're going to have today's services. I hope you'll come. We're going to have prayer services. We're going to encourage people to 
get into a small group and use maybe the resources that we have or some other resource to nurture your heart, to examine your heart, to walk with Jesus as we go through Lent. We're going to have a Holy Week service, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and all of that stuff. But wouldn't it be sad if we're kind of going through all those experiences with the wrong motivation, with the wrong set of eyes upon us. And so Jesus was very, very clear. The wonderful thing about Jesus and what he does, he isn't the first. He didn't just come on the scene in this vacuum. We are religious animals. And so there were people even before Jesus came, as we heard in the Old Testament reading, who were trying to figure it out. Maybe if I fast, maybe if I say a hundred Hail, uh, um, Hail Marys, Maybe if I, if, I, if I give my body to be burned, if I give over and above, maybe if I just keep doing and doing and doing, maybe God will see that I'm on the path. And Isaiah warns us against that. And Jesus warns us against that. So maybe what we ought to do as we go into the rest of the service, as we think about our hearts, because that's really where it starts. We heard it in the song from the inside out. So we need both. We need both. But we want to examine the motivation. And so maybe we should ask ourselves that when we give, why do we give? And maybe some of the motivations could be, and, and just ask yourself so you can get there. I'm giving because God has given back to me. I'm giving because there is nothing that I possess in this world that wasn't given to me. I came into this world with nothing, and when I die, I can't take it with me, so if I give, I'm going to give it as an act of gratitude. Maybe I'm giving because I want to glorify God. And so you, you try to get to that motive that focuses, helps you to focus on the fact that God is seeing you. Who cares? You know, they had a story about Charles Spurgeon. I don't know if you heard about that story, where Charles Spurgeon and his wife were selling chickens. This is a renowned Baptist minister in London, selling chickens. And people would come and say, well, can you give me one of the chickens? And they said, sure, you can have it, but here's what you're going to have to pay. And you know, the word on the street was that the preacher Spurgeon and his wife were the stingiest, meanest people in the world. Can't even give away a chicken. And then the news came out later that the reason why they weren't giving it away, the reason why they were selling the chicken, chickens, is to raise money to feed widows, poor widows living in a certain part of London. They didn't tell anyone. They had an audience of one, and they were doing it in secret so that God who sees them would reward them, and the same would go for prayer. Don't just be a public prayer person. Your prayers are more powerful when you do it when the only person seeing you is God. In fact, one of the challenges that people have often put to us as pastors is that if the only time you pray is when you're praying in public, pastor, your prayers won't even reach the ceiling. Go before God and pray. 
And the same would go for fasting. So I ask you this evening, when you think about what you do, who's your audience? Who's your audience? Who's watching you? Who are you most trying to please? And Jesus would say, three times he said it, and what you do in secret, your father who sees in secret, your father who sees in secret, your father who sees in secret, he will reward you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and God's people say, Amen.